Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 Chad. Edwin Encarnacion has blasted his 20th homer of the season. Two-run shot in the sixth. The Blue Jays now up 4-0 on Colorado. The scoreboard, courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can call 310-GLASS today. Some news to tell you about. The Edmonton Oilers have issued a qualifying offer to defenseman David Musil. They have not qualified Luke Gazdick, Adam Clendenning, Kale Kessie, and Nicholas Lundstrom. So they will become unrestricted free agents. The Oilers do lock up Eero Pakarinen for one year. He played 63 games last season, had 13 points. Andrew Shaw was traded to the Montreal Canadiens on the weekend. They signed him to a six-year contract. Nashville's Philip Forsberg gets a six-year deal for $36 million. The Ottawa Senators have traded forward Alex Chason to Calgary in exchange for defenseman Patrick Seeloff. Hall of Fame inductees Eric Lindros, the late Pat Quinn, goalie Rogi Vashon, and Russian winger Sergei Makarov. Ron McLean will be back as the host on Hockey Night in Canada. George Strombolopoulos is out. Ron will host the early game on Saturday. He'll stick with the hometown hockey on Sunday. David Amber, good broadcaster, will host the late game. Uh, oh, by the way, another hockey note, Justin Schultz did not get a qualifying offer from the Pittsburgh Penguins, so uh, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Going to go to Matthew on uh, line one in a second here. Just a few texts to catch up on about the Edmonton Eskimos. This uh, individual says... Benavides is too conservative. The defense is falling apart. Chris Jones is going to eat up the Eskimos' defense in a couple of weeks. Tijo says, the only problem with the last play of the game is that Riley didn't seem to notice he was throwing into double coverage. And Harv says, before any game starts that Andre Pruel is the ref, you know one or both teams will be peeved. He wants to be the first star. All right, some text to uh, 630-630 as we got a little bit of open line time. If you want to talk, uh, uh, we've been doing a lot of Eskimo stuff. If you do have some hockey stuff on your mind, you are welcome to chime in. And we do have, uh, actually, is this, is this Section O on the line? It may or may not be. How are you? Well, I hope it is. I, I'm good. I, I haven't talked to you in a while. How have you been? Well, not bad. You know, just working hard and uh, just watching the football game. But some of the comments that I got for some of the football game here is that what some of the people are saying, like that one person that says, did, did, did Mike Riley not know he was throwing into double coverage? Well, if you watch the play, at the time Mike Riley threw the ball, Nate Kuhorn was open. It was a great defensive closing play by whoever the DBs were on Ottawa. So, I mean, at the time that it happened, 
it was a great play by Riley. It just the guy closed in on Kuhorn and unfortunately couldn't get it done. You got to remember though, in 2013, all Mike Riley did was basically scramble. This is the same Mike Riley that you got last year when we won the Grey Cup. So everybody just chill, relax, okay? Now, <laughs> all right. The, the elephant in the room is always CFL officiating. Everybody understands that there is room for improvement, and every single year, Glenn Johnson steps in front of a podium and says it's going to be better this year. They stepped into a new frontier with the eye in the sky, expanded uh, video replay. Unfortunately, that did not play into our favor in the last play or in, in the in the last play of regulation. Did Andre Cruz screw up? Maybe. Now, here's another thing. There was also an NFL official working that game, and I haven't figured it out yet because I'm still doing my research on it, but I think he may have been one of the linesmen that did not put up the uh, substitution signal no, the for guy, Ottawa. The guy, you know, it wasn't him? All the, all, the, well, the, all the information I have was that the NFL guys were going to be in the back, in the secondary. Okay, well, yeah. then that basically throws my conspiracy So I'm pretty theory. sure that wasn't that guy. Out the window. Well, I mean, Andre Prue's uh, crew is a very proficient officiating crew. Is he the worst in the CFL? No. I think Al Bradbury's crew is the worst in the CFL. He should be scrubbing the algae off the bottom of, off the bottom of an aquarium for all I'm concerned, Al Bradbury. Andre Prue, I think, could have wrecked the Great Cup this year. But here's another thing. The Eskimos win that game if Pat Watkins doesn't get hurt because the following play is where they attacked Derek Peters' side, who was the substitute for Pat Watkins. He jammed with the other DB, and I watched it again yesterday. They both got, they both got confused, sprung the Red Blacks wide receiver wide open, bam, touchdown. Also, too, Trevor Harris's first play after coming in from Henry Burris was the exact same confusion where I think it was Ellingston got sprung wide open 71 yards for a touchdown. We had 433 yards of, of, of offense. I think Riley threw for three-something, and John White, I think, had 16 carries for 99 yards. 37 points will win you a football game any other day of the year. So for people to just say that we're falling apart, like, man, relax. It's game one. And like I said on the points after show after the football game last time, where were we last year? We had Mike Riley with a banged-up leg, and we had to have Matt Nichols, who, thank God, went 5-2 and two in the opening stretch of the season so people just relax we're on the bye week i don't think mike riley is going to make that same mistake again where he throws to kuhorn i think riley will learn from this run next time but everybody just chill we're 0-1 we were 0-1 last year and we won the great cup so it's not how you start it's how you finish and uh that's pretty much did, my thoughts on the game Reed. did you uh now did, were you listening at 7:30 when i went over the uh, the andre Proust stuff on that last play yeah, I did about how he so forgot he, he, to he whistle it in and he, the umpire stepped away. Well, I can't remember he, exactly well, he, yeah, what you said about yeah, it. Yeah, he shouldn't have whistled it in. He should have he been should waiting. Not have whistled so it in. I think the guy on the Ottawa sideline is like, well, wait a minute. I got Ottawa guys running onto the field. Why are you putting the ball in play? The right? same thing happened in, I think it was 2013, where it, it, and Cavis Reed was our coach, and it was in Toronto, and he actually had to run onto the field to get a penalty to actually stop the clock in order to get his correct guys on the field. Uh, it was, what, first down at the time? Because I remember you were talking about if they take the time count, it's a loss of down, but it doesn't apply on third down. Right. It, so, was, it, was, so, first, it was first down, but here's the thing. The time clock would have expired, so the Eskimos could have, did, 
could have declined the penalty and ended the game if it reached that point. But it's never supposed to reach that yeah. point. You're supposed to give the team a chance to substitute. I I, I, I know it like it it looks like the Eskimos got the short end. They really didn't. The message I received from the league was that the right decision was made, but that it was handled sloppily and that it made it look bad, right? Well, I don't know so much if the Eskimos got shafted on the last play of the game. I know where they did get the short end was that spearing penalty on Neil King. How often have you ever seen spearing get called in the Canadian Football oh, League? Like we were Once a year, we, maybe? No, I'm, honestly, like I'm, unless I'm totally to the moon wasted, I've never seen it called. We were sitting up there, we're like, spearing? What? Like, how often is that? It's, it's, it's like tripping in the Canadian Football League. It's, it's just so far and few between. And then the definition that they used it, because they showed the replay on the screen after, every other play should have been spearing from there on in. That's where I think we got shafted on it. But like I said, it's game one. Everybody chill. We'll, well be okay. Well, the uh, I mean, the one penalty that I would debate is the Corey Watson hold, and a texter wrote in about that. But, I mean, Ottawa had a drive earlier in the fourth quarter where they had a couple of holding penalties on their own line that negated plays. Um, the stuff near the end of the game always gets, you know, amplified, magnified, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Thomas writes in, he says, Reed, now we can only go 17-1, and ha-ha. And Brad says, Section O is a Pollyanna. Nobody's worried about Mike Riley. I'm scared about how terrible the defense was in the second half. So there you go, Section O. As usual, you've divided what the audience. What is a Pollyanna? Somebody who uh, thinks everything's going to be fine. Well, because everything is going to be fine, and that's the same <laughs> thing I was preaching last year, and we won the Grey Cup. Do you remember when we were down 23 nothing against Saskatchewan well, in the they, first quarter, and I was, was taking heat on Twitter for everybody just to calm down, and we won? Yeah, thanks. That Saskatchewan team is one of the worst in my lifetime from last year. Yeah, oh, well. Maybe they'll you be know bad what? again this year. To that previous texter that said that Saskatchewan is going to eat our defense alive, please. I've got a mortgage that I will bet on that game that we will destroy them. Well, I hope you're right for sure. That's next Friday. Hey, I hope uh, this becomes a regular thing during the football season, buddy. Thank you for calling. Thank you. No problem, Reed. Thanks for having me on. That is sectional chiming in tonight. Love is passion. He says everything's going to be fine. I, I still think this is a good team. I don't want to get too off the rails over one game. Things concern me. You know when it comes to the Eskimos, Matthew, sometimes I hike up my worry pants. They're, they're gray rugby pants. I put them on whenever I'm worried, and I hike them up to just below my nipples when I'm worried. And I walk around that way. A little bit too much information there, buddy. Actually. But no, the Eskimos are going to be fine. Don't worry about them. Uh, I thought the offense had a good game, maybe a bit of a slow start in it, but uh, they'll be fine. Saskatchewan comes in, they're going to blow them out. We're going to blow Saskatchewan. Oh, out. there we go. Matthew's starting it already. Saskatchewan hasn't played a game yet. I know. That's why we're going to blow them out because we're going to be feisty and ready to well, go. Well, they and, play this by the time yes. we play them, they'll play the game. Yes, you good point. Uh, who do they got this weekend again? I believe Toronto. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, it is Toronto. Who? Man, I'm not sure. Ray didn't have that good a game, did he? I looked at his. I didn't watch the game. I looked at his numbers, and they were okay. Yeah, but... well, they were saying he didn't look that good. I didn't see much of that. Well, I didn't see any of that one because I was in. Uh, where was I? What's that city I was in? I was in Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> I, already, I already forgot. Uh, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Kevin from Stoney says, uh, Milan Lucic, people are so concerned about his decline, but he is young enough that with management direction, coaching, and off-season training, he could stay a productive player without losing a step. Hall, Dreisaitl, Pugliarvi, 
Lucic, McDavid, and Eberle. Maroon, question marks with Hendricks uh, and Cassian. He's listing off forward. Sekera, Clefbaum, Nurse, Davidson, Talbot. Figure out how to improve the back end uh, and with keeping the Oilers' top two lines intact. That is from Kevin from Stoney. 780-496-0063. Quick break, and then we're going to be back with Doug on the open line. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Well, Colorado putting something together here at the bottom of the sixth. They're still batting. They've scored three. Just one out with a runner on second, so the Blue Jays' lead cut to 4-3 in Denver. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 6.30. Ched, Steve Sir, Edmontonian, played the basketball in the NCAA. He's played in uh, Europe for several seasons. He's going to be playing in the NBA Summer League for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. He will join us between 8.30 and nine tonight. We'll also have a very energetic goal call by the fellow who does play-by-play for the Iceland soccer team who stunned England today with a 2-1 victory. 780-496-0063 is how you reach me, and Doug is on the line. Doug, welcome back to the show. Hey, Reed, how are you? Doing great. Good to hear about Steve Sir going to play uh, summer league with my favorite team, the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm pretty sure I'm the only person uh, this side of the border that cares about the Bucks, so that's good to hear. <laughs> uh, I don't have a whole lot that in you know to add in terms of what's already probably been said about the Eskimos. I mean, I I thought uh, I, I thought Riley was maybe as hesitant as I, as I've seen him in. Well, probably since he returned. Well, I'm not even sure if I could say since he returned from injury last year. He he was. Sometimes you see quarterbacks, they just start overthinking. I mean, no no more obvious play than the final one of the game where he could have run for 12 yards and then tried to squeeze it into Kuhorn. But I think uh, there's no point being worried about Mike Riley. I don't think there's any reason to. Um, the secondary is an issue. There's no doubt about that. Um, I mean, Dion Ballou played one game last year in the opener against the Argos, got pulled, never saw the field again, didn't dress the rest of the season. And when he's your starting corner uh, to start this season, uh, yeah, it's a bit concerning. And and, you know, you see Pat Watkins, he's, you know, a little bit slower, not quite as quick. And, and no doubt that the Red Blacks have an incredible receiving core. But when you're, when the nearest defensive back is 10 yards away, I mean, you don't need to be Henry Burris or Trevor Harris to, to be able to find those guys and get the ball to them. So the front seven's good. They've got to get better pressure up front to, to make sure they give this secondary, whoever's in the in this uh, defensive backfield, time to to settle and adjust to each other because otherwise it, it could be a bit of a problem. Um, and the only thing that I was going to touch on, which is off the field stuff, is just how disappointed I was in the in the whole banner-raising event or lack thereof. It's just too bad. And I know it's tough in daylight to do anything real spectacular, but I just thought it was far too understated for, for what I think was a, a championship that was extremely well-received by this community. And I just thought that players weren't even on the field yet. It was just, to me, the Eskimos sometimes they're far more concerned about all the other glitz and glamour they're trying to bring in than actually worrying about what's going on with the, the on-field product or what they've what they've been able to achieve. So that's my other point, I guess, is just a little bit of dis- disappointment in, in how that whole thing came together. You're going to have to help me out, out Doug, because I wasn't there, obviously. What was what was the banner rating raising? It wasn't what much. It to be honest with you, Reed. I mean, they, they raised a flag at the north end of the stadium. No one really knew where it was, um, and that's all they did. There was really no other... <laughs> nothing else they showed a few highlights on the scoreboard 
and that was really about it. I mean, I can remember, I think it might have been the 03 game where they actually had the Great Cup back in the stadium. I remember Leo Groenwagen going around with it. You know, so there was really nothing. And again, it happened before the Eskimos were even on the field. And to me, just not enough when you're trying to celebrate what a success they had in 2015. Yeah, fair point. I mean, I I, I guess, uh, I mean, I know Ed Hervey's a guy that doesn't look back. So that was probably his thinking. But uh, yeah, I mean, you want something for the fans as much as possible. I thought they did a pretty good job sharing the cup with the city um, the week after they won it. Agreed. So, so the the Grey Cup was not in the in the stadium. Is that true? Not that not that was visible to anybody in the seats. At least, if it was there, it was uh, well hidden, well protected. Okay. But, but and and yeah, I think you bring up a good point. That I mean, I get the fact that they would don't want to look uh, in the past. But at the same token, I mean that's great. But you you need to find ways to continue to engage your fan base. I mean that's a, maybe a small thing, but and I'm not saying they should have done anything extremely elaborate. But I think they could have certainly done more to at least acknowledge for the players' sake what went on uh, last year and allow the fans that extra little bit of celebration. But anyway, well, maybe they'll let thing, Chris but... Jones bring it in next Friday. Yeah, well, he'll probably <laughs> do that wearing his rider stuff like he did in Tennessee. So, <laughs> All right. Well, Doug, I know you're a loyal Eskimos fan, uh, and you're, well, you're, I know you're passionate about the Oilers, Eskimos, and the U of A and all things Edmonton, so it's always great to hear from you, buddy. Uh, no worries, Reed. Thanks for the time. That is Doug calling in, 780-496-0063. Uh, Matthew, should we do the Iceland thing now? Do you want to do this? Sure, let's go for it. Okay, well, first of all, let's do the... Uh, the here's the, the uh, Euro scoreboard. Italy beat Spain 2-0. This is the round of 16 at the uh, Euro Championships. Okay? I, I'll, I'll play the guy out of here if you want. Okay. Iceland... Which, what, has 330,000 people? So it's like a third of Edmonton? Played England. So Iceland was a long shot to make the tournament. Then they were a long shot to make the round of 16. Now they're in the quarterfinals. They have to play host France. So they beat England today 2-1. Their play-by-play guy is, I I hope I'm going to say this right, Gudmundur Benediktsson. Here's the uh, play-by-play of Iceland's second goal today. I mean, seriously, show some emotion. Wow, that's, uh, that's, I mean, you know what? For Iceland, I mean, that's a big deal for them, you know, beating England. And that puts them, that, that is... I, 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 I wouldn't think that would happen in a million years. But it did, so. Well. It's all almost as can, big as look, Leicester City winning the EPL, right? All I can say is. <laughs> oh, it's great. And uh, here's the thing. So. Did you see what happened after the game with the English manager, Roy Hodgson? Yes, I did. He just quits. <laughs> like let Mike Messi from Argentina, I guess, he's in the just, Copa. He's just like, uh, I'm no longer the manager. What, what's happened to this? Now it's when politicians, as soon as they lose elections, and what was the guy here, Prentice? He's just like, yeah, I'm no longer the leader anymore. 
and like two hours later, he's lying on a beach. Yeah. And didn't Harper step down as a conservative, federal conservative leader? Yes, sir. But he's he's still an MP, isn't he? He's leaving. September, he's done. Oh, he's done. All right. So, yeah, Roy Hodgson's just like, I'm no longer the English manager. I guess maybe he didn't want to wait to get fired. But good news is for English fans, Wayne Rooney did not announce his retirement from international soccer. He said he's staying on. He scored today, didn't he? Yes, he did. On a uh, penalty kick. I saw the highlights. I have a, I, I enjoy watching the international soccer tournaments, but I, ha I haven't watched much of this one. I guess this is when the games are on. But look. Gudmunder Benedictsson. Play-by-play voice for Iceland. Maybe he'll be working the NHL someday. Steve Sturr, great basket. Uh, Steve Sir, great basketball story coming up after the 8:30 news. You're listening to 6:30 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, 4-3 Blue Jays. They hold on to the lead now into the, uh, well, the Blue Jays just finished batting in the top of the seventh, so the Rockies coming back up. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Ched. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. You can get the latest uh, Oilers news by going to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Of note, Eero Pakarinen will be back. One-year deal for him. He's 24 years old. Adam Usiel gets a qualifying offer. Luke Gazdick does not. So it looks like Gazdick's time as an oiler has come to an end. Hey, uh, we've had Steve Sir on the show before. He's such a cool story. Uh, Edmonton guy, standout player when he was in high school here, played in the NCAA at Northern Arizona. I believe he's still the all-time NCAA Division I leader in three-point accuracy. He's played in Europe, and now he's going to the NBA Summer League to uh, play for the Milwaukee Bucks, and we got Steve on the line. Steve, welcome back to Inside Sports, man. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for making time for me. Man, exciting news. Tell me how this came about with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, well, thank you. Um, it's uh, It's been in the works for a little while. Uh, they contacted me when I was over in Romania about the possibility of being on the team this summer. Like, that's even something to think about. But uh, they asked if, if I would be interested. I said, uh, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow if you want me to. <laughs> but um, they, uh, they said that one of the things that they had to, to work on, though, was uh, finalizing their roster and that they would probably have that done once the draft was completed. So they said, you know, we want to contact you now, but we won't be able to tell you for sure until after June 23rd. So... After the draft happened, they were able to get the people that they wanted, and I was fortunate enough to still be on their list. And yeah, so they head out next week. All right. So uh, tell me, and I mean, I know you you've been in studio, and we've we've talked several times, and obviously I've known your dad for a long time, so I, I'm always kind of aware of what you're doing. Um, but I've never really talked about staying on an NBA team's radar after you've been playing in Europe in several seasons. I mean, are you kind of always? 
in touch with somebody? Do you have an agent looking for opportunities, or, or how does that all shake down? Well, actually, this is probably the easiest work my agents ever had to do. I was actually talking about that with Jermaine Buckner today. Uh, I'll, I'll update my agent on what's been going on, and he'll send me, like, thumbs-up emojis on WhatsApp, and that's pretty much the extent of his work, so nice job on his part. But uh, we, uh, the way it works is, is, is actually kind of funny. Um, the guy who's the head coach for the Milwaukee Bucks Summer League team, his name is Sean Sweeney, and he's an assistant coach with the Bucks now. Um, when I moved to St. Paul, Minnesota with my family for my 12th grade, my 12th grade year, uh, Sean was a teammate of mine at Creighton Durham Hall, and we hit it off very quickly. Uh, we haven't spoken in, in quite a long time, but Sean worked his way up in the NBA. He got a job with the Brooklyn Nets as the, as the video guy, worked you know, 19, 20-hour days, made a great impression on the franchise, and Jason Kidd was the coach at that time. He loved Sean, and when he went to Milwaukee, he took Sean with him and promoted him to an assistant coach. So Sean's job was to assist with the Bucks and to be the head coach of the Summer League team. He's head coach of the Summer League team for the last two years. I guess last year he uh, had, didn't have the results he wanted, and he went to management and said, I, I would like to have more of a hand in selecting my players. And he just so happened to say, I, I really need a shooter, and Steve is still playing and still playing well, so I want him. And he advocated for me to be on the roster, and – he uh, had Jason Kidd's support as well who, with the management, and, and through that uh, I have an opportunity to, to go give it a shot with the NBA guys. Well, that's incredible. Now, who, uh, what, like for teammates, are you going to have draft picks on your team and that you'll be playing against or other guys like you who have been signed from other pro leagues? Who participates in this league? The summer leagues, it's a very interesting thing. Um, for me, I couldn't be more thrilled because this is kind of a, a bucket list thing that I never knew if I would have the chance to actually do. Um, but it's it's about as close to playing as the, in the NBA as you can get without actually being in, on a, an official NBA regular season game. You're playing with their 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 draft picks, so Son Maker, who was their tenth pick, and then I think his name is Malcolm Brogdon, who was their second round pick out of Virginia. So they're on the team for certain. And then I think they also will bring a couple guys from their D-League affiliate. They'll bring uh, a couple free agents that maybe they want to take a look at. Maybe some guys who currently do play with the Bucks to just give them some, some run and some reps in the summer. And then they round things out with, with guys like me, like who, who maybe will fill a role as being a shooter or being a defender or something like that and, and come in and do a job. And, and the thing that's helped for me is – I've been able to t- to stay consistent and and stay diligent. So when I when they initially started speaking to me, they told me I've been able to still maintain a high percentage shooting the ball, playing professionally. So for me, I think the shooting the ball is still leading uh, leagues in three point percentage or leading leagues in three pointers made per game grabbed their attention and then was enough to uh, to keep their attention. So yeah, that that's been a big part of it. Steve Sir joining us on Inside Sports. The Edmontonian is going to play for the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Summer League. So if if you go there and, and make a splash, mm-hmm. is is the best case scenario to this you you get invited to Bucks training camp? Because I know you've been to an NBA training camp before in 2010. I believe it was with the Timberwolves. So is that mm-hmm. is that the ultimate goal here? 
Yeah. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know how many guys they, they have under contract with the Bucks. I don't know um, what their numbers from that look like. But, I mean, the way I kind of look at this is uh, I've, been, I've been working extremely hard at home with, uh, with a lot of good people to, to make sure that I'm ready for whatever happens down there. Um, and I'm going in there just with eyes wide open and, and the idea that I'm going to give it hell and, and see what the result is. I would hope that I can shoot the ball well and do my job well enough that maybe it could merit a, an invitation to a training camp. Um, this comes at a great time because – I don't think there's ever been more of a premium placed on guys who can shoot the ball in the NBA right now. And in order for guys who are athletic and, and, and slashers to get to the basket, you have to have guys that can stretch the floor and open things up. So I know my role and I know my, my job and uh, I know what I'll have to do in order to be efficient and effective. So I'm going to do that. And, and, you know, I mean, one of the things when you're down there is you, you just never know what can happen. I mean, I could go down there and, and just play okay, and nothing could happen. But I think if you go down there and give your best to yourself, maybe you might surprise yourself. So I'm just going down there with the idea that if uh, if I play hard and I do my job and I'm and I be professional, that good things will come of it. Do you expect the style of game or the details of the game to be drastically different than what you've been experiencing in Europe over the last few seasons? Um, you know, I'm not sure, and that's one of the things that I'm curious about. Um, I've watched summer league before. Uh, you know, it's fun to watch in the summers because there isn't isn't a lot of basketball to to go around. So you'll you know maybe plunk down and and, and watch a game or two when when they show a feature. And uh, from that end of it, I know it's going to be athletic. I know it's going to be up and down. I know there are going to be a lot of guys who are going to try and get people's attention because I mean this is this is going to be a gym full of NBA people and 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 from other places too. I mean from from other leagues around the world. So I would imagine. The the style will still might be a little different with you know the defensive rules that they have in the NBA and uh, maybe a little more one on one. But I mean, in the end of the day, basketball is basketball, and you know you're going to have to try and keep your man in front of you. You're going to have to if you know if a guy's open, you make the extra pass. And if your job is say mine, which is to come in and try and shoot the ball and stretch the floor, then then that's what you got to do. And I don't think in any league that really changes. Um, but, you know, maybe I'm naive. I'll find out when I get down there. <laughs> All right. When are you heading down? Uh, I go down on July 5th. Uh, we we get right to it. We do our physicals. We practice. Uh, we have pretty kind of a smash-and-grab training camp where we do about three days of practice. And then we uh, on July 8th, we open up with, uh, with the Cavs. Okay. So, so they have a tournament then, right? So you don't necessarily know who you're playing after that? No. Like we play – we have three games that are scheduled for certain. We play the Cavs on the 8th. We have a day break where we just have practice. Then we play a, a D-League select team okay. on the 10th, and then we play the Memphis Grizzlies on the 11th. And then from there, depending on how we do, we'll determine our next few games. Okay. Well, Steve, this is awesome. It's so cool you got this opportunity. It's It's been fun to keep tabs on your career, and you're, and you're a great ambassador for, for, uh, for basketball and a great Edmonton story that you continue to pursue this uh, at a high level. So I hope you turn some heads there, man. We'll be watching. Thank you very much, Reed. I really appreciate it. That is Steve Sir checking in tonight, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. So, yeah, keep an eye on that. The uh, Milwaukee, he'll be playing for the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Summer League. His game's on July 8th, 10th, and 11th. And speaking of basketball right here in Edmonton, uh, July 9th, 10th, and 11th at the Savile Centre. 
Canada against China, the women's Olympics teams, number eight against number nine in the world. And uh, you can go to the Basketball Alberta website to find out how to get tickets. Good stuff for Steve, sir. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. We're uh, winding her down. Back to recap and some final thoughts. Time for you as well. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. It's Inside Sports on Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, this portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Blue Jays still up 4-3 on Colorado in the bottom of the seventh. But, oh, as I say that, uh, base hit for Colorado with the bases loaded, and that'll score. Did it score two? Maybe it only scored one. Just one? Oh, no, nope. it was two. They were <laughs> slow putting it up. So 5-4. The Rockies go ahead of the Blue Jays. At one point, it was uh, 4 nothing for the Jays. We'll keep an eye on that one oh, uh, for Reed, you tonight. Yes, what did I do? Chris Bryant tonight for the Chicago Cubs. Oh, yeah. Has hit three home runs and two doubles. He's 5-for-5. Five 5-for-5. Five. Five five at the pl- at the, I don't know if he's had another at-bat, but he was 5-for-5. Five five. Uh, let me check that box score here. Uh, of course, now I can't find it. Is that game over already? Just going to take a look. I think it's over already. Uh, what are we doing here? It was... Yeah, 11-8 final for the Cubs. Yeah, he went 5-for-5, five five, yeah, with four runs and six RBIs. Not bad. Not bad. Three homers, he's up to 21 on the season. Cubs, 49-26 and 26 on the season. They're going to win it all, buddy! No, the Indians are. They've won 10 in a row tonight. They've won 10 in a row. They won 10 in a row tonight. Well, to- tonight, tonight was their 10th in a row. They played a deck, a deck tuple header. <laughs> so, is that what it would be? Isn't that the 10? Like a decahedron is a 10-sided object? What I meant to say was oh, they I've, won I've, their 10th in I've, a row I'm sounding, tonight. I'm sounding like Lisa Simpson all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, you been golfing lately, buddy? No, I haven't had any chance. I was at a wedding this weekend, so... Oh right! Somebody was—you were mad that your buddy was getting married. No, I during the draft. That's okay. <laughs> Don't worry, we it, had it all going on in the. Uh, it, was in a, the p- it was a Friday night wedding, right? It was. It was a great wedding. Good stuff. A lot of fun. Uh, all right. Uh, by the way, you can go to my uh, Twitter account. We got the Discover the Quarry episode two up there. Ooh. Yeah. Great golf course, thequarryedmonton.com. You want to find out more. Taylor Sinski, the uh, director of golf at the Quarry, is the guy that gave me my uh, golf lesson a couple of weeks ago. I golf today. I got to say, the lesson's paying off, though I'm still very inconsistent. But it's nice that now I kind of have an idea what to do, right? I don't just hit a bad shot and I'm like, well, no idea. I'll just uh, keep doing what I'm doing. Oh, I hit another bad shot. Now now at least I can hit a bad shot and say to myself, oh, okay, I didn't do that. It's supposed to, I'm supposed to do this. The interesting thing about golf, Matthew, is when you hit a good shot, it kind of just is feels effortless. just feels like, oh, I just hit the ball. That's great. That's the way it's supposed to feel, Reed. Let the club do the work for you. 
uh, about the Icelandish play-by-play guy. Harv says that guy makes Jack Michaels sound subdued. DB says that guy's goal call creeps me out a bit. It almost sounds like something sinister is happening to him. Well, that's a good point. For all we know, he could be saying, Oh my God, please don't kill me. Maybe he's getting attacked. I don't know. As far as I know, he's all right. Eddie says, Hey, Reed, do you see any scenario where the Oilers get both Lucic and Fowler? Uh, I don't know. I I will say unlikely. I mean, they could sign Lucic and trade for Fowler, but I don't I don't I don't know if they're going to get both. Graham texts in and says, "I agree with Matthew from a while back. REM is the American tragically hip." When did we ever talk about that? Was I, I must have been off? Who I don't remember saying that about REM, but maybe it was Kellen. I like REM, but I don't know. Like they they are a bit of a band that's not. They're popular, but not that popular in the States. I don't remember uh, ever having that conversation, Graham. I am sorry. Me neither. Sorry about that, too. <laughs> but we say and do a lot of things on this program we don't remember. Uh, Graham also types in Go Niners. Who's the, uh, is it West End Ron? I think it's West yeah. End Ron, who's a big, a huge Eskimos fan, by the way. And he actually predicted they were going to go 14-4 and last year. And he's a huge San Francisco 49ers fan. Who's their quarterback now? Well, it's either going to be Colin Kaepernick, who's still... I thought they were done with him. Well, no, he's still there. They're not done. They're a little disgusted. They picked up his option. They didn't cut him. And also, they have Blaine Gabbert. Right, Gabbert. That's who I was trying to think. If he was at Missouri, I think, in college? Yes, he was a bit of a bust for the Jaguars, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, he was the Jaguars. They're still in the league, eh? Somehow, they're still cooking there in uh, Jacksonville. Uh, former Boston Bruins star Ray Bork has pleaded not guilty to a drunken driving charge. He was arrested Friday with operating under the influence after his Mercedes-Benz rear-ended a minivan in a construction zone. No one was hurt. The Vancouver Canucks buying out... Uh, sorry, they have placed Chris Higgins on waivers with the intention of buying out the final year of his contract. Chris texting in says, did you have any wings in Buffalo? I did have wings in Buffalo. I did not go to the Anchor Bar, even though I found out I was I stayed about four blocks from the Anchor Bar. I did not go there, though. I had wings in my uh, hotel restaurant late on uh, Wednesday, about 9 o'clock Eastern time. Here's what I find out found out about the wings in Buffalo from what I ate on my own, I observed, and from talking to other people. The wings in Buffalo are not any better than the wings anywhere. No, I'm serious. I mean, a wing is a wing, right? The wings in Buffalo, in my mind, are not any better than the wings anywhere. They were simply invented there. And the as, as you know in America, their, their food portions are sometimes disturbingly large. I couldn't finish the wings. I couldn't finish the last one because I, I, well, I ate too fast because I was so hungry. But the the wings were like they were they were too big and there was too much 
for one person. It was it was a two person job. Now I'm not a big guy, right? And I I wouldn't say I eat a lot. Um, so anyway, maybe I should have gone to the anchor. I guess they have a hundred flavors or something like that. But the wings in Buffalo. I had better, you know what I had in Buffalo that was really good? There was a poutine store there on Allen Street, this cute little street I went to. The poutine was really good. It's called Allen Street Poutine. Hmm. I did see your picture of you tweeting out about Tim's there, Tim Hortons. I went to, I went yeah, to I a Tim that. Hortons, several Tim Hortons in Buffalo. I went to the one where they actually have the Sabres logo and pictures of ex, the late player Tim Horton. Well, that's pretty cool. You know where I went that was really good? Uh, off Allen Street by about a block, Fat Bob's Smokehouse Barbecue Place. Really good. Went there for lunch on Friday, had some ribs, some coleslaw, some uh, vegetables. And so the guy was like, oh, are you in town for the draft? I'm like, yeah. yeah where are you from? Oh, I'm from Edmonton. And the great thing, the, first of all, the great thing about Buffalonians, and I believe that's what they're called, is they actually know where Edmonton is, right? As opposed to, oh, where are you from? Well, I'm I'm Canadian. Oh, uh, well, what city are you from? Well, I'm from Edmonton. And you know they're probably not going to hear about it, have heard of Edmonton, but they they ask. Well, I'm from Edmonton. Oh, so is that where's that in relation to Toronto? Uh, it's like a four-hour flight. Uh, Edmonton's north of Montana. Oh, so do you go to a lot of Blue Jays games? Like, you don't even know where Montana is relative to Toronto. Anyway, what was I talking about before that? Oh, so they know where Edmonton is, which is nice. Uh, Graham says, "What are the chances the Hurricanes move to Quebec City in three years?" I, I don't. Know. I think that anything the NH, I think the NHL is very reluctant to move franchises. Right? Gary Bettman is going to stick it out with the existing teams and try to make them work. So uh, the poutine was good in Buffalo. Oh, and Fat Bob Smokos. That's what I was saying. They were uh, featured on. Uh, he goes, "Well, we were on a show on the Canadian Food Network," and. I said, oh, you got to eat here? He's like, yeah, I think so. So Fat Bob Smokehouse uh, was impressive. That's good. I I think I may have watched that episode that one night about it. Yeah, good place. Uh, This texture says, Reed, if you didn't go to the Anchor Bar, you didn't have buffalo wings. Well, fair enough. I didn't go. You know what? Here's the thing. I don't regret not going. I'm sorry. I apologize I didn't bring this information back. I apologize to those of you who have gone to the anchor bar to get the buffalo wings but I just don't feel like I regret not going I, I, I feel like I, I feel like I would have been underwhelmed I'm sorry to say that I feel like it's a tourist trap there I said it I feel like the buffalo I feel like the chicken wing the buffalo wing is not that hard to perfect and I could get wings that were just as good any almost anywhere in Edmonton that makes wings fair enough that's how I feel fair enough buddy I heard they got a nice ballpark there, though, what were they? Coca-Cola Field. Yeah. Yeah, good thing Coca-Cola is advertising, because otherwise no one would have ever heard of them. you got to sponsor those fields. Uh, <laughs> all right, are we done? How much? We're almost done. A right, minute let's, left. Let's wrap it up. Uh, again, the Oilers news today. Eero Pakarinen signed to a one-year deal. The Oilers have issued a qualifying offer to defenseman David Musil. Luke Gazdick among the players not qualified, so uh, not going to be back. Get the details on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. The Oil King schedule is out as well. You can get details on our website, too. Blue Jays are now trailing 8-4. The Rockies still batting in the bottom of the seventh. Ron McLean back as the early game host on Hockey Night in Canada. David Amber will do the late game. 
Uh, Lucas texts again. He goes, one American asked me, what time do you turn on the northern lights? <laughs> I, I don't think Lucas is joking. I think that's true. Somebody probably asked him that. Thanks to our guests tonight. You heard from Steve Sir, Blake Dermott, Bob Stoffer, Dave Drinkle. Thanks to everybody who called in and texted. Lots to talk about tonight. Fun show. More on Oilers draft pick Marcus Niemelainen, by the way. I got a little blog on 630Ched.com. The producer of the show, currently on holidays, is Dave Campbell. Brendan Ulrich helped out producing today. The studio producer, the one and only Matthew Panashik. My name is Reed Wilkins. We're back tomorrow. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.